Chapter Twenty Eight of the Home Life of Poe by Susan Archer Weiss. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Morning with Poe and the Raven, a leaf from a journal. One pleasant though slightly drizzly morning in the latter part of September, I sat in our parlor at Talavera at a table on which were some new magazines and a vase of tea roses freshly gathered. Opposite me sat Mr. Poe a basket of grapes his favorite fruit had been placed between us and as we leisurely partook of them we chatted lightly he inquired at length what method i pursued in my writing the idea was new to me and on my replying that i wrote only on the impulse of a newly conceived idea he proceeded to give me some needed advice i must make a study of my poem he said line by line and word by word and revise and correct it until it was as perfect as it could be made it was in this way that he himself wrote and then he spoke of the raven he had before told me of the difficulties which he had experienced in writing this poem and of how it had lain for more than ten years in his desk unfinished while he would at long intervals work on it adding a few words or lines altering omitting and even changing the plan or idea of the poem in the endeavor to make of it something which would satisfy himself his first intention he said had been to write a short poem only based upon the incident of an owl a night-bird the bird of wisdom with its ghostly presence and inscrutable gaze entering the window of a vault or chamber where he sat beside the bier of the lost lenore then he had exchanged the owl for the raven for the sake of the latter's nevermore and the poem despite himself had grown beyond the length originally intended does this not explain why the raven though not like the owl a night-bird should be represented as attracted by the lighted window and perching upon the bust of pallas which would be more appropriate to the original owl minerva's bird also we recognize the latter in the lines by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance at war poe in adopting the raven evidently did not obliterate all traces of the owl of these troubles with the poem he had before informed me and now in answer to a remark of mine he said in effect the raven was never completed it was published before i had given the final touches there were in it certain knotty points and tangles which i had never been able to overcome and i let it go as it was he told how toward the last he had become heartily tired of and disgusted with the poem of which he had so poor an opinion that he was many times on the point of destroying it i believe that his having published it under the nom de plume of quarles was owing to this lack of confidence in it and that had it proven a failure he would never have acknowledged himself the author he feared to risk his literary reputation on what appeared to him of such uncertain merit he now in speaking of the poem regretted that he had not fully completed before publishing it if i had a copy of it here he said i could show you those naughty points of which i spoke and which i have found it impossible to do away with adding perhaps you will help me i am sure that you can if you will 
i did not feel particularly flattered by this proposal knowing that since his coming to richmond he had made a similar request of at least two other persons however i cleared the table of the fruit and the flowers and placed before him several sheets of generous foolscap on which i had copied for a friend the raven as it was first published he requested me to read it aloud and as i did so slowly and carefully he sat pencil in hand ready to mark the difficult passages of which he had spoken i paused at the third line had i not myself often noted the incongruity of representing the poet as pondering over many a volume instead of a single one i glanced inquiringly at poe and noting his unconscious look proceeded when i reached the line and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor he gave a slight shiver or shrug of the shoulders an expressive motion habitual to him and the pencil came down with an emphatic stroke beneath the six last words this was one of the hardest knots he said nor could he find a way of getting over it ember was the only word rhyming with the two preceding lines but in no way could he dispose of it except as he had done thus producing the worst line in the poem we pondered over it for a while and finally gave it up but i may here mention that i have since in studying the poem made a discovery which strangely enough seems never to have occurred to the author this was that in this particular stanza he had unconsciously reversed the order or arrangement of the lines placing those of the triple rhymes first and the rhyming couplet last thus all his long years of worry over that unfortunate ember had been unnecessary since the construction of the verse required not only the omission of the word as a rhyme but of the whole line of and each separate dying ember when the succeeding objectionable words wrought its ghost upon the floor could have been easily altered and the addition of a third line to the succeeding couplet would have made the stanza correct our next pause was at the word beast through which he ran his pencil bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above my chamber door i must get rid of that word he said for of course no beast could be expected to occupy such a position oh yes a mouse for instance i suggested at which he gave me one of his rare humorous smiles leaving this point for future consideration we passed on to a more serious difficulty this and more i sat divining with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining with the lamplight gloated o'er the knotty point here was in the word lining a blunder obvious to every reader poe said that the only way he could see of getting over the difficulty was by omitting the whole stanza but he was unwilling to give up that violet velvet chair which with the purple silken curtain he considered a picturesque adjunct to the scene imparting to it a character of luxury which served as a relief to the more sombre surroundings i had so often heard this impossible lining criticized that when he inquired shall i omit or retain the stanza i ventured to suggest that it might be better to give up the stanza than have the poem marred by a defect so conspicuous for a moment he held the pencil poised as if in doubt 
and i have since wondered what would have been his decision but just here we were interrupted by the tumultuous entrance of my little dog pink in hot pursuit of the family cat the latter took refuge beneath the table at which we were seated and there ensued a brisk exchange of duelistic passes until i called off pink and mr poe took up the cat and placing her on his knee stroked her soothingly inquiring if she were my pet upon my disclaiming any partiality for felines he said i like them and continued his gentle caressing was he thinking of catalina his wife's pet cat which he had left at home in fordham and which after her death had sat upon his shoulder as he wrote far into the night recalling his grave and softened expression i think that it must have been so but at that time i had never heard of catalina but now came the final and most difficult tangle of all the blunder apparent to the world the defect which mars the whole poem and yet is contained in but a single line and the lamplight o'er him streaming casts his shadow on the floor poe declared this to be hopeless and that it was in fact the chief cause of his dissatisfaction with the poem indeed it may well excite surprise that he so careful and fastidious as to the completeness of his work should have allowed the raven to go from his hands marred by a defect so glaring but this is proof that he did indeed regard it as hopeless when mr poe left us on this september morning he took with him this manuscript copy of the raven which however he on the following day handed to me begging that i would keep it until his return from new york i found that he had marked several minor defects in the poem one of which was his objection to the word shutter as being too commonplace and not agreeing with the word lattice previously used he remarked before leaving for new york that he intended having the raven after some further work upon it published in an early number of the stylus i do not doubt but that had he lived he would have made it much more perfect than it now is after his death his friend mr robert sully the richmond artist was desirous of making a picture of the raven but explained to me why it could not be done all on account of that impossible shadow on the floor of course said he to produce such an effect the lamplight must come from above and behind the bust and the bird no it was impracticable this set me to thinking and the result was that i some time after went to mr sully's studio and said to him how would it do to have a glass transom above the door one of those large fan-shaped transoms which we sometimes find in old colonial mansions opening on a lofty galleried hall it would do he said indeed with such an arrangement and the lamp supposed to be suspended from the hall ceiling as in those old mansions there would be no difficulty with either the poem or the picture and we were both delighted at our discovery and thought how pleased poe would have been with the idea so effective in explaining that mysterious shadow on the floor mr sully commenced upon his picture but died before completing it this manuscript copy of the raven with all its pencil marks as made by mr poe on that september morning remained in my possession for many years it is yet photographed upon my memory 
with all the details here given from an odd leaf of a journal which i kept about that time the quiet parlour the outside drizzle the books the roses the face and figure of mr poe as he gravely bent over that manuscript copy of his immortal poem of the raven had he no premonition that even then a darker shadow than that of the raven was hovering over him it was one of the last occasions on which i ever saw him End of chapter twenty eight